Welcome to SciShow Tangents. It's the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Tank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. Our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. And also, for some reason, Vanessa Zoltan. <laughs> <laughs> to make Sam look smart about science. <laughs> That's the last nice thing I'm saying about you, Sam, though. Why? Because <laughs> Hank sent me a text like 10 minutes ago being like, be mean to Sam. <gasps> That's the whole thing. This is what we, this is, you're not really a member of the Tangents crew. No, I did not. Everybody loves <laughs> Sam. And- <laughs> I follow orders. And, uh, Vanessa is the host of, of podcasts such as Harry Potter and the Sacred Text and Hot and Bothered. Um, if you want to see some of Vanessa, listen to some of Vanessa's other projects. All of you, everyone, it's starting to be summertime. It's officially June. It's going to be officially summer fairly soon. So I'm curious what all of our favorite things about summer are and i've got one that is i don't know if it's gonna be a weird curveball but my favorite thing about summer is big old thunderstorms even if they got hail i love that too we only get like one good like thunderstorm every year but it's so good when it happens so good yeah for me it's the long days I I love the longer the day, the happier I am. I love being like, it's 901 and it's still light out. (laughs) It's just like, it's just the best thing in the world. And then I get very anxious on like June 20th because I'm like, this is it. This is the longest day. And, oh no! And it's so this soon. is good I as know. it gets. It, yeah, it, it gets really sad. it lures you into a false sense of security too, because during this time of the year, the days are pretty much all the same length, and they they last, and you can't really tell the difference between one day and another. And then all of a sudden, like some moment in fall, it's like every day is eighty minutes shorter. Yeah, <laughs> until the day itself is negative an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I almost want to steal your answer, Vanessa. The the long it's days. It's a are really just... good answer. <laughs> yeah, in somebody's yard until like 11 and yeah, yeah, just have a gin and tonic. Okay, this is very, I haven't, I haven't experienced this in a while, but like the purity of a good sprinkler or like a hose ah, in the summer. Yes. When you need a child. This, it brings it all back. <laughs> the, the child running through the sprinkler is just like. You just see their little face and you're like, I there's nothing better in the That's whole world. That's it. That's like the peak joy. Every all of this like search for happiness that we're mm-hmm. all trying to do as adults. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Is you're hot, you're a little sweaty, and then you run through cold public yeah. water. And that's it. <laughs> cold, cold water that was created by by just many human hours of work to come to our house clean and safe. So that we could put it under the trampoline and jump on it. <laughs> yeah. What a what a you know, guys, I feel really good now. Now I'm pumped. Yeah. Now I'm stuck in my stupid basement for an hour though. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just inside getting sweaty. Way too many clothes. <laughs> uh, every week here on Tangents, we get together to one up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while trying to stay on topic and failing. Our panelists. All three of you are playing for Glory and for Hank Bucks, which I will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of you will be crowned the winner. But first, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with a traditional science poem this week from Vanessa. So this is called A Sometimes Ode to Books. Sometimes I only want to want to read you, so you stay on the bookstore shelf. Sometimes I have you on a list called to-do, but Netflix isn't going to watch itself. (laughs) 
Sometimes I lie about reading you blow by blow when I'm really just here for the Chardonnay. Sometimes I watch your TV show, but when people ask if I've read you, I say, yay. Sometimes you disappoint us over time. The fact of your permanence betrays you. Sometimes you age with gorgeous fine lines. Your genius, like magic ink, slowly shines through. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you say more with what you omit. Make us wonder why it is this that we assume. Sometimes you delight us with your wit. Make us laugh in the cancer waiting room. Some of you are crap. Some of you are great. Some of you are a waste of space. Depending on the book, I feel love or hate, but you make the world a better place. Books! Wow. Not sciencey. Uh, Hank wrote a poem about an eagle eating like a bird or something once. That's not science. I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> we can do whatever we want to. It's our yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's our show. Hank's uh, that was boss. a beautiful poem. It was. It was the very top- good. The topic of the day is books, and Vanessa, this is my favorite part of the podcast where I ask Sari what a book is, and she can't answer because she's too much of a scientist. <laughs> Sari, what's a book? I did look up. I was like, book, science definition. <laughs> the internet did not help me with that. Uh, Shocked. Yeah. Unfortunately, the biologists and chemists haven't, like, Mm-hmm. strictly defined book. But what I could find is we had written word in the form of scroll, which is one long paper. And then <laughs> eventually we were like, what if instead of one long paper, we have many small papers small. together? Yeah, uh, interesting. And then that became a codex. And each sheet of paper in a codex, I learned, is called a leaf. And each side of a leaf is a page. So even though we call them pages... Oh, they're a leaf. Each We're leafing side through. of a leaf is a page, so the page isn't the is is the numbered thing. So the page on one is side, the numbered like thing, one, like yeah. one hundred, and then the next one is the one hundred one. Both of those are pages, but the physical thing I'm touching isn't. Ah. When I wiggle it around, that's the leaf. That's the leaf. Yeah, and then at some point we just stopped calling them codices. Maybe because it felt snooty, and we were like, "It's a book instead." Book. That, <laughs> that's where it gets kind of fuzzy. It is. Uh, it's too wizardy. It's maybe not snooty. It's dorky, right? It's yeah, like, it's a little bit. What, consult what, the my, codex. My, my codex shelf. Yeah, I love the idea that that's how etymology works. Do you know what this word's kind of snobby? Let's retire it. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. A lot of times, people are like, I can, "We can't use that one. We can't, that's that's." That's got the wrong feel to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad mouth yeah. feel. Codex and book both referred to, or, or that come from root words that are related to trees or tree trunk. So code, the word, came from tree trunk. And mm. the word book came from beach, like a beach tree. And so a, like apparently linguists think, there's some debate, there's always some debate with words, that both of these words came from the fact that early written language was sometimes carved into barks, even though there mm. were so many forms of writing. There was like vellum paper, animal skin, papyrus, etc. Listen to the paper episode if you want to learn I- more. But <laughs> <laughs> eventually the word for a specific type of tree or just tree in general was synonymous with book because we were like, it's made of this thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's just this thing because we have right. more... Uh, use we we want to talk about books more than we want to talk about 
beech trees. So we're just going to steal that word and say, <laughs> we're just going to call them books now. The word code comes from the word for tree trunk? Is that what you said? Yeah, it does. Earlier, <laughs> ca- caudex, C-A-U-D-E-X, uh, from Latin, meaning literally tree trunk, but <laughs> means book. <laughs> All right. I feel like I am pretty solid on what a book is now. And that means that it's time to move on to the quiz portion of our show. This week, uh, as is the case with our double, with our guest episodes, it's a double quiz show uh, with no fact off. So we are going to begin with our uh, game number one, which is going to be called Truth or Veil. (laughs) A new innovative game. A new innovative game, (laughs) Truth or Veil. So books are incredible portals. They transport us into other worlds. But at the end of the day, they are also objects that exist in our world. And that means that they sometimes appear in history for practical or even dramatic reasons that do not have much to do with the text itself. The following are three tales of bookish influence beyond the words on the page. Mm -hmm. But only one of these is going to be true. The others are going to be lies. Are you ready? Mm. I feel the need to take notes, but I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I always jot them down, too. I'll go over it. I'll go over it. Yeah. I know. I just just rely on dumb luck the whole time. (laughs) There really isn't a way to do well. Yeah. That's (laughs) why I win every time we play this game. It's because I've taken notes. (laughs) Oh, okay. We'll see if that's true. The true fact might be fact number one. Early drafts of On the Origin of Species were used to board up cracks on the HMS Beagle. (laughs) So it took Charles Darwin some time before his expedition on the HMS Beagle to write On the Origin of Species. But when conservators studied one of the cannons from his ship, they realized that some of the cracks in it had been filled with paper from fragments that came from an early draft that he had thrown away while headed home. Or it might be fact number two. In the early 1900s, a panic spread in the US and the UK centered around libraries and the possibility that books lent out by the libraries might be contaminated with disease. And so to test out whether this was the case, one man fed monkeys some milk from pieces of paper that came from (laughs) books that had been borrowed by people with diseases. And then he found out that those monkeys didn't die. And he saved libraries. Book milk. Book milk? (laughs) Yeah, we gotta come back to this. (laughs) There's gonna be an extensive discussion on book milk. Or it could be fact number three. In the 1960s, a chemist working at the company Carter's Inc. developing pigments came upon an idea called highlighters. But no one at the company was excited about his awesome idea until one of the executives realized that his kids could use it for the Bible they were studying in Sunday school. Ah, and that saved highlighters. Uh, Well, but but maybe not. It could be. Again, fact number one, early drafts of On the Origin of Species uh, used to board up cracks in HMS Beagle cannons, or it could be fact number two, the fear of library-driven pandemic led one man to feed monkeys book-soaked milk, or fact number three, highlighters happened because an executive realized that they could help his kids study the Bible. They all seem entirely plausible to me. I call nonsense on the first option because he was working on multiple drafts while still on the boat. He hadn't, like, written it yet, I don't feel like you get rid of your field notes when you're still on the boat, right? You know, you know how much Darwin hated himself, though. He he <laughs> he, he just hated. He is just so sad, and like <laughs> he's like, this no one this will ever. Shit. 
I can't be, I can't be perfect, so it must be burned. <laughs> I think even if he's sad, even in my fits of depression, I would not wad up my paper and then stick it in a cannon. Yeah, would, that's true. <laughs> I would toss well, it overboard. If I'm sad, <laughs> it's going as far away from me as possible. Similarly. Not like, oh, also, they're his field notes. Like, aren't they like the yeah. drawings of the things? Mm, may, maybe it's just the part where he was writing stuff down and he uh, was like, I, I don't know. know. I, I, Oh no, I think Hank is trying to mess with us. I don't think it's one. I'm <laughs> definitely going to be more wrong. Usual. Yeah. yeah. I think similar to Darwin, like Sari said, no matter how much I think everything I've ever done is garbage, if somebody tried to like m- throw it away or make it wet and stick it on a cannon, also a cannon, like a shooting cannon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't maybe do the, nothing. They need to, to keep their cannons in good working order. With That's pa- also with water and paper. Uh-huh. Sure. Look, cellulose is very strong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Lindon Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second one. Okay. Book milk. Book is it like milk? oat milk? And it's, yeah. it's no, milk? it's not it's not monkey milk. No, no, not monkey milk. Is it like it's is it like the oat milk, milk definite it's cow milk with books in it? Is that what you're saying? It's, uh, so I think what happened is okay. he is he put milk in a little cup of of book. Like he poured the, the <laughs> milk down a little little book sh- ramp into a, a monkey like you're at a party, <laughs> yeah. except it's instead of a, like a human body, it's a book. <laughs> and oh, it's, instead of vodka, like, it's milk. The monkeys are taking a milk shot off yeah. of a Instead book? of an like ice book shoot. Shot. Yes, an ice shoot. That's what it is. Yes, it's like an ice shoot, but it's a book and it's milk and it's a monkey. I call nonsense (laughs) on this too because the way to test this would not be we don't lick books. That's not how a book would be contagious. Mm. You are giving people of the past far too much credit. (laughs) You think people in the past licked books? Well, no, 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 no. I think oh, that, you I think think that, that they, they make ran no bad sense. experiments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're, if you're I'm not dumb. You're going to get all the germs you're going to get from smelling the book that you would from drinking right. milk off the book. Right, right. So if you're going to get sick from looking at the book, you're definitely going <laughs> to get sick from drinking milk off of it. Uh, I kind of want this one to be real because mm-hmm. I want you to tell us more about it. It does feel like early COVID-19 pandemic when we were wiping down groceries, Everybody wiping down library books. So yeah. like, my neighbors we're, still we're just do one that. step away. I mean, I got to be honest. If you did this with Bailey's, I'd drink it. That's a oh, no. next Tangents Live show. We can do book shots. This is going to be a Patreon perk is book infused <laughs> <Yeah>. Bailey's. <laughs> I see it now. It's going to be on a sock. I'll buy them. <laughs> Jesus. It's going to be a soda syrup. Okay. It is. No. I'm going for Bible highlighters. I know that Bibles, like there's the red parts that like mention Jesus. Like Christians yes. love highlighting the Bible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that how, it would, is that what the red parts are? Yeah. yeah that's what, what the red parts so. are. It's his words. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where Jesus is talking. And so I'm going Bible highlighters. <laughs> What if this is Vanessa bait, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's, oh, oh, I'm falling for it. If this yeah. is Vanessa bait, then good for you, Hank. I think I have to go with the monkey drinking milk off the books. My soul is just telling me that I got to go with that one. Okay. okay. All right. Normally, I would, I would do game strategy and just guess that I sincerely do not believe Darwin stuffed his thing in no, the cannon, though. No. So I think <laughs> it has to be, I'm going to go with the highlighter as well. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Sari, 
and Vanessa. Carter's Inc. was one of the first companies to sell highlighters, but oh, this no. story is actually inspired by how post-it notes came to be oh. because oh. that was invented by a chemist at 3M named Spencer yeah. Silver. He developed a new adhesive that was easy to apply and then reapply without leaving any residue behind. He didn't really know what it would be good for until his colleague, Art Fry, realized that the adhesive would be really handy for one of his own personal problems, keeping track of the pages in his hymnal in his church choir, which he usually, like, used little just paper bookmarks, but they'd fall out and he'd lose them. And this would allow them to stick them in there, keep it there, and the bookmarks would stay. And that uh, was one of the very first uses for Post-it notes. And everybody was like, actually, these things are going to be great. I led you astray. It's okay. I usually lead myself astray, so it's nice to have a companion in this and be like, no, I went with theologian Vanessa Zoltan with this. Yeah. Um, and Sam, uh, taking place during the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, the Great Book Scare was a panic that led people to think that books could be contaminated with diseases and that libraries in particular would cause diseases to spread. But... And that led to many many experiments featuring animals, including uh, one uh, from a scientist mm-hmm. who claimed that 40 guinea pigs had died oh. from being inoculated with book paper. <laughs> inoculated? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't? They injected paper into the guinea pigs. And they were like, no. oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. And the monkey experiment was indeed a thing that was detailed by an editor uh. of a journal called library oh so it was it is a real thing they really put put book milk into monkeys and the monkeys were fine that's so goofy so (laughs) didn't let them drink the book milk they inoculated them with the book milk no 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 they 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 fed the milk milk yeah they only inoculated they put it in their mouths excuse me yeah (laughs) (laughs) i got too confused about how wild this research is um so the great book scare led libraries to develop a bunch of different methods for disinfecting books like steam or formaldehyde or just straight up burning them which definitely did disinfect them but caused other problems she's there uh, meanwhile, in 1907, the UK updated their Public Health Act of 1875, which had originally been written to prevent people from lending bedding or other items exposed to diseases. In this updated version, people who were suspected of having a disease could be fined up to four, uh, 40 shillings, which is about $200 today, if they borrowed, lent, or returned library books. Damn. The panic eventually subsided, especially when people realized that librarians weren't getting sick at any higher rate than normal people. Hmm. Not that librarians aren't normal people, but not <laughs> you kind of aren't. So, but in a yeah, good way. Can confirm being close proximity to many librarians, not normal people. I love that at the end of the day, it was data science. They were like, "Wait a minute, let's collect some data, not run an experiment, but look at the librarians." Let's look at the. Let's yeah. just and everybody's like, "You know what? You're right." Yeah. I, I, I have seen that the librarians are fine. Could yeah. have saved a lot of milk. Could have saved a lot of guinea pigs. <laughs> could have saved, yeah. But the monkeys were fine. Yeah, the monkeys came out of the deal ahead. They were like, thanks for the milk, bro. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the monkeys learned Hamlet and were able to write it on the typewriters. Because they probably drank Hamlet They drank all milk. the books. They drank Hamlet yeah. milk. I think new study strategy. Everyone talks about textbook (laughs) under your pillow, osmosis (laughs) learning. You got to drink milk off of the book. Yeah, soak it in the milk, and then the knowledge will soak through you. Yeah. Solved. Yeah, well, uh, you you need a lot of milk for, like, your average chemistry textbook, but, like, 
I could drink a lot of milk. Worth it, yeah. <laughs> I love milk. Thanks to all the cows out there. Uh, the Darwin thing was a big fat lie, but it was inspired by the fact that uh, conservators were studying the cannon from the wreckage of the Queen Anne's Revenge, a ship used by the pirate Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. So that's a real person and a real name of a real ship, and it was a real <laughs> it cannon. It sounds like a diarrhea disease. <laughs> sorry to take us there but no one else okay it was just me (laughs) they were studying this cannon and uh they found that there were little bits of paper on in it sealed up uh, somehow i'm not it's it's it seems complicated how this cannon worked but anyway there's little bits of paper they spent a lot of time trying to figure out what uh book this these bits of paper might be from and after analyzing them for a long time and trying to fit them together. They found out, they figured out that it was from an 18th century book called A Voyage to the South Sea Around the World, written by Edward Cook. I love the idea that they had a book about just being out on the ocean yeah. on this on this boat that's out on the ocean. <laughs> they really love like, it. You know, what, you know what I want to read more about is this awful life that I'm living right now. Uh, but apparently they didn't like it enough to keep it uh, all in one piece because it did end up uh, stuffed into a cannon. Well, maybe they stole it from some snooty rich guy who like mm-hmm. maybe decorated yeah. his cabin it. with nautical things and, they were, and then they stole it all. Because pirates only you- got porno on their boat on their boats, I'm pretty sure, right? Boy, one of the worst stories I know is about pirate porn. Okay. Oh, what? <laughs> Are you gonna tell us or is yeah. that all you're gonna say? Hank, is this one of you your can party decide stories? Whether or, or not to keep it in the podcast, but um but be- because uh pirates were uh, pretty heteronormative, and uh, also it was only dudes. They had a, th- they would have a thing that would sort of be a passed around, and it was like a device for uh, just f- f- humping um, to get mm-hmm. off. And uh, this is how many a pirate got chlamydia oh. and other sexually transmitted diseases because they did not wash that thing often enough. Well, that's not one of the worst stories I've ever heard. No. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, if I'm a pirate, I just do it the normal way. Yeah, that's... they got hooks for hands, though, Hank. It's da- too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you think or a lot like... of pirates have two hooks for hands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, two every hooks. one of them just got hit hooks. <laughs> and they're like, what do we got? The, the only thing I can do is hook onto this massive fleshlight and just wail away at it. <laughs> I mean, have you watched? Have any of you watched? Our flag means death. I haven't yet. yet. I'm very excited. That's other solution. Just all pirates just gay. have fluid sexuality. Gay. Like all, there are plenty of pirates, perfectly good people yeah. to smooch, holes to do that in. If, if you just look around <laughs> yeah. you, it wouldn't have necessarily solved the chlamydia problem. No, no that's true. unfortunately not. I think it would have been more fun. It's like a funner way to get chlamydia. It's a much more fun <laughs> way to get chlamydia. Yeah, that's true. If you're going to get it. You get some emotional connection, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little you support. might as well also get emotional chlamydia if you're heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. heartbroken by a pirate. Well, Sam's going to cut all of that out. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked my joke about the hook hand, so. Yeah, it was a good one. Very funny. All right, everybody. Now we're going to take a short break, and then I have another game for our panel.
Slash Your Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions, dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun Mm -hmm. burns out. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. (laughs) (laughs) You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. That bean's not going to grow. If there's there's a constant drain on the the bean, that (laughs) is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and beyond I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling (laughs) rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I buy more beans. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of bean, I guess. A so cheaper, beans, more yeah. of a cheaper type you of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. <laughs> yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. <laughs> Subscription <laughs> companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use you- that money for beans instead. Stop wasting <laughs> money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your <laughs> unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening that all oh, all oh, that's building up around you. Oh, this is <laughs> terrifying. I'm so, yeah. I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right. Factor ad. I don't, I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door. 
ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024. And I certainly hope that's true for me. Heck yeah, Factor. <laughs> Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> Oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. It is now time for our second game of the episode. This is called Secret Messages. There are plenty of messages written in books. That's one of the main things that they do. But sometimes the most compelling thing about books are the things that you can't see. So today, we're going to be playing a game called Secret Message. I'm going to tell you a story of people diving deep into a book in ways that do not involve actually reading the text. And then I'm gonna give you two options for the secrets they found as a result. And you have to guess which secret is the real secret and you'll get a point. So round number one is Galileo's Starry Messenger. In 2005, a rare copy from the original printing of Galileo's Starry Messenger was found it was not called that. It's called something else in Latin, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it. It was found by a New York City bookseller. I'm sure that this person was extraordinarily excited. It was particularly special because it had been signed by Galileo himself hmm. and featured like actual watercolor art painted by people. And as cool. historians studied the signature and the artwork in the book, they realized that this book was hiding something else. What did they realize? A, it might have been a personalized edition sent by Galileo to the astronomer Johannes Kepler. Or, B, it might be that the edition was in fact a forgery. So either it's extraordinarily even more valuable, or it's a bunch of BS. I would have guessed that Galileo lived in 400 BC and Kepler lived in 1965. I have no idea. Were they contemporaries? Pretty sure they were contemporaries. Okay. So what I know, Galileo was in a lot of trouble a lot of the time and there was a a trial. I don't know if like sending the book to someone could implicate them. I think it's that. I think that it is a secret message to a friend book and he didn't want to get his friend in trouble by being like, mm. we're friends. Mm. And so he sent this like beautiful oh, hand painted cool, addition yeah. to his friend, but he didn't want to implicate his friend. That's my theory. I, I like that. that. That's Me like too. a very deep story. It's beautiful. <laughs> I made it I up. Like the, I like, the, I like yeah. the very, like the implications of the smuggling. I want to mm. read this novel of the mm-hmm. smuggler who carried this book from one astronomer to another astronomer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to guess the opposite way, I think. <laughs> Why? Just, for fun, just to be contrarian, I think. Okay. And like, yeah. what if it's a secret story on the other, like Galileo, his name was in the mud. Kepler, who knew who that guy was? Stars, yeah, I, whatever. No one would, no self-respecting artist, even for a commission, would be like, I'll watercolor paint in your book. You'd be oh like, please, God. please add some art to my book. And they'd say... No, I'm no, you're in the doghouse. The Pope hates you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will absolutely not decorate yeah. these pieces of paper and affiliate Shoot. myself with you. That's a really good point, too. Now, I don't, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Vanessa, though. 
I want to okay. guess out. Thanks, Sam. Well, guess what, everybody? Points to Sam and Vanessa. Oh, no. Oh, no, hey. no. Take it back. Sorry. <laughs> oh. No. Everybody start up for a Opposite of that. <laughs> you have to give us points anyway. Yeah. That was rude. Sorry. Points to Sarah. Sam, I led you astray with my story of nonsense. Man. Yeah, man, I was so happy. Yeah, I mean, I wish, I wish that that was the thing. Uh, maybe that's what got me confused. So it was published in 1610. Galileo included a bunch of observations he'd made through his telescope, uh, including the fact that the surface of the moon was mountainous and that Jupiter had its own satellites, its own moons. And it was published. There were 550 copies printed and 150 copies remain today. So that's pretty good, honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. for 1610. Historians were super excited when a bookseller thought that they, they had found another copy, even more so when they saw that it was signed by Galileo and illustrated in watercolors and had been given a stamp from the library of the Lin- Linkian Academy in Rome. Maybe, yeah. I don't know how that's pronounced. Then a few things uh, caused this all to fall apart. First, there was an actual astronomy mistake made in the watercolors oh boy. <laughs> with a, a lunar phase depicted not happening in time for the book to have been published. So there was like something wrong with the astronomy where it couldn't have happened when it was published, which mm-hmm. is like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and then there were some like inconsistencies in the paper found with X-ray fluorescence, which is probably pretty good. Uh, signed to the people who understand these things. But the big thing that was the linchpin, there was a little blotch that uh, was in the book, but it was only there because it was in another book accidentally. So they accidentally copied a blotch that was a stain as if it were a part of the original Mm -hmm. manuscript. So that was the thing that sort of sealed the deal. Interesting. Eventually, it was revealed that the forgery had been created by Marino Massimo del Caro, the former director of the Gior- Gioralmini Library in <laughs> Naples, who was arrested for also stealing and selling books from the library. Oh, shoot. What year? Um, it was it was modern times. Um, mm. So so relatively recently, I, I think that he was the he was the head of the library in like 2011, 2012. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, really recently. Yeah, he's like our age. And the forgeries from around then, too? Yeah. Got Galileo talking on a cell phone and some of those watercolors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Accidentally, like, with a water bottle in the background. Yeah. He's <laughs> spilled my... Starbucks cup. Spilled my Gatorade on it on one of the pages. Oh, shoot. What confused everyone was that it was an iPhone 4. And they were like, no, yeah. that's old. Those around, that doesn't seem old to me. Those are around in 400 BC or whenever Galileo was alive. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go on to round number two. In 2016, researchers reported finding three rare books books in the library collection of the University of Southern Denmark dating back to the 16th and 17th centuries that covered various historical topics, but the researchers wanted to see if there were any secrets buried in the text. So they studied the books with x-ray fluorescence, and they were surprised by what they found. But what was it that surprised them so much? Was it A, that the paper in the books was made from a tree that scientists thought had gone extinct in the 1400s? Or was it B, that the exterior of these books was covered and poisonous arsenic. I mean, to not overthink this one, wouldn't they, if they touched the arsenic, wouldn't that be bad? Wouldn't you just notice, like, oh, I touched this book, I got a rash. Uh oh. Well, honestly, I don't know what happens when you touch arsenic. Do you get a know. rash? Do you get the poops? You like, die. sometimes you just get the poops anyway. You know? <laughs> 
I guess uh, sometimes, and stars. <laughs> sometimes you get the revenge of the Queen Anne and it was <laughs> the neck or not. <laughs> you don't know. I'll go with the tree one because that seems like just the kind of thing a nerd would be into. I'd be into that. Oh, like, yeah. oh, this paper? This is from a tree that we didn't think existed at this yeah. time. That's cool. Did they save a tree? Did they have special paper for oh, hundreds that. of years? Yeah. Or did they just have a tree nearby where they were like, oh, right. I'm saving this tree. cut down the last one. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they didn't have Wikipedia to see if it was a in- critically endangered yeah. tree or not. They didn't have mm-hmm. iNaturalist on their phone to like <laughs> yeah. look at the trees around them. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's the tree paper one. Maybe it's maybe it's the arsenic one because there's some fun story of a booby trapped book or something. I don't know. I think it's arsenic and that it was like some secret society and it was like if you knew you would know to wear gloves and if not they could test oh, or for yeah. religious reasons to keep like kids out of something it was like the, the equivalent of <laughs> like pig. murder children <laughs> whatever it's like that book is from the restricted section <laughs> exactly yeah. you deserve what you get do it's like not parental controls of, this <laughs> of the 17th century well not for the reasons Vanessa said, but Vanessa and Sam are correct. <laughs> Finally. Is it real this time, Hank? It's real this time. <laughs> so they're trying to do a bunch of analyses on these books, and they turn to X-ray fluorescence to uh, get sort of under the paint that covered the the top of the covers. And in the process, they realized that the paint was made from arsenic, mm. which was used as a green pigment to create art at the time, which means they had some poisoned books on their hands. They don't know exactly why the arsenic was used. They think maybe to protect from insects. Um, but also maybe it was just like, this is the paint that we have. They books, these books are now carefully stored that, so people won't accidentally stumble onto poisonous books and get themselves into trouble. And I looked up the symptoms and indeed it is a gastrointestinal problem that you have to worry about. Oh, I just feel like my reasons were so wrong. I shouldn't get the point. Oh yeah, that's that's not how it works. I know, but my reasons were so wrong. I wouldn't get any points ever if that was a a stipulation of these games. No one ever has good reasons in this show. Mm -hmm. All right, our final round, round number three. While we're busy looking for things hidden in past books, people are also uh, creating books that will have their own hidden messages for people both today and in the future to uncover. For example, in 2015, scientists created a book whose pages are embedded with copper nanoparticles. What is the secret message in these pages? Is it A, that these pages can be used as a filter to kill bacteria in drinking water, or B, that these pages are more resistant to light damage and will be harder to destroy over time? (sighs) Seems like too many steps to make a book and then make them a filter when you could just make a filter does it have stuff printed on it i guess you didn't say did you say uh it does have stuff printed on it but like i don't think that it not not for like they they didn't like they didn't like make the books to be books and then get them to be also help filtering water because it could have just text on it that says run water through this page it's It's like an instructional manual yeah yeah i can say whatever you want the first the first day of the rest of your life is today drinks (laughs) drink safe hang in there pour water here if you looked here you'd be home right now (laughs) (laughs) it's the snapple cap of paper (laughs) (laughs) well she's not going with that one because that sounds fun (laughs) yeah i kind of want to go with it too i mean 
more resistant to light damage feels more <laughs> logical. Yeah. But I feel like, why not have a magazine page? There's so many fun things that people put in magazines. We got to get more fun. Why not mm-hmm. a water filter? I'm it, like the light one is just so obvious that it's obviously a trap. Should Sometimes I just, the trap is the true one. But no, I, go with your heart, Vanessa. No, my heart is the light one. Then you got to go with it. Okay, well, I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for it. It's the light one. <laughs> well, shooting the moon. Sam, what? A d- disaster you have created for Vanessa. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed that it's just a little book of pages that you can tear out and put into a filter and and, and make it so that it kills all the bacteria. That's now, nice. there are problems with this idea. One, it's not very good. <laughs> um, so copper nanoparticles are taken up by bacteria. They, they, they kill bacteria. But like... Look, there are other things beside bacteria that that might be problem for for water, and so we have other filters that are much more effective than this thing that literally does say, "Use this as a filter." That's what it says on the pages of the book, and they're also like super thick, so you can't get that many in, and you have to have a special device to sort of slide them into, so all the water oh. goes through the What's paper. What's the point if you have to have a device? I- I know. I agree. It's called a drinkable book, and it's from 2015. And I think we have better better systems now. We continue to progress <laughs> to the point where we no longer need drinkable, drinkable book. books, and we no longer need to have monkeys drink milk off of books. Uh-huh. And instead, we could just do vodka on ice luges. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does that mean for our final scores? I'm checking right now. It means that Sam has done the hard work. Of making it so that Vanessa doesn't win and he does. I made a big mistake because if you had guessed with us, we would have all tied. And that would have been nice, Oh, it? that would have been beautiful. <laughs> oh, wow. It's you wouldn't okay. have all tied. Oh, that's Sarah, not true. Sarah would have still lost. I would have won either way. Won. Never mind. Sam? Yeah. Yeah, not, Dirty yeah. comfort coming I don't from feel you. bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, congratulations on your win this episode. Uh, I, know, I know how much... How that feels for you. I know it feels good. I know how this is the only joy. I know that's all you have left. <laughs> I was feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> no, you did great. But now it's time to ask the science couch where we ask a listener question to our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. This is from James on Discord who asks... Uh, what were some ancient pest repellents for libraries? I know old books had a real problem with bugs eating all of them. Maybe, apparently, arsenic uh, we've discovered. But mm-hmm. I think that I think that, th- that there's been lots of terrible substances that have been used for pest control. I figure you probably use some naphthalene because we kept using that for a long time in the closet so that the moths wouldn't eat our sweaters. Mm. So probably similar... Uh, but, you know, we got a lot of stuff that kills bugs. It also kills people. So, yes, there are a lot of things that eat books over time. And I think still plague books, as far as I can tell. Any sort of collection of books faces the uphill battle of protecting this collection from pests. Mm-hmm. And these pests can range from like rodents. Uh, oh, sure. So yeah. big mice rats to any number of small larvae or other insects. So there are things like moths and cockroaches and silverfish and a lot of uh, beetle larvae. And we've known about them for a while. So Aristotle, that guy, 
described uh, what he said was, quote, the smallest creature of all in books. So he found... The smallest one on or like, ever <laughs> found? Yeah, he was like, they can't get any smaller than that. The guys in books. I've never seen anything smaller, which means there is nothing smaller. That's Aristotelian uh-huh. logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Over the course of time... As we started using agricultural methods to get rid of pests, so learning about biological elements, um, ways to stop fungal diseases, ways to control weeds or other pests, then we started applying some of these to book collections as well. So the big one for rodents was cats. That's where library cats came from. It's like, you got little mice eating our grain? We've got, we've also got mice eating our books because it's made basically from the same stuff, just kind of (laughs) grain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so like the library of Alexandria, which had scrolls rather than codices, but still library, had library cats. And there's this documentation about how like the librarians eventually built up this this group of cats that just hunted rats and they nice. they named them all and they had a little system going got, where a, they, got like, another novel right right ready to happen mm-hmm. the the story of the cats of alexandria yeah i needed to end before the fire definitely don't i want to be <laughs> no. i want to feel good about these cats <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or the cats caused the fire yeah. in the final oh, you shot. Know they did. It's you the back of the did. cats watching <laughs> Some it cats burn. Some cats just like a candle. <laughs> nah, uh-huh. nah, just push, push, push. Plop. Yeah. yeah. Their insect advice also, which was uh, the on the bad end of the spectrum, it was things like rub the books in certain months, like March, July, and September with pepper and cloth and alum. Well, uh, that, sounds like, that sounds like advice given by a book. <laughs> I just yep. won't get it rubbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and another another um, recommendation was just to read the books. So that that sounds like very also librarian sounds like book advice or too. book advice. <laughs> like read me, and then the insects won't come. <laughs> um, then, like Hank said, there were tons of chemicals over time. Camphor. Uh, in quotes, poison paste. Don't know what that was, but it was mm. definitely bad for the librarians in addition to the books. Um, and one that's not so bad, which is neem leaves. So oh, neem, sure, neem trees and neem oil. It's uh, with the rise of indoor houseplants being a yeah. fad. Uh, neem oil has been, has risen in, I don't know, popularity as like an organic gardening mm-hmm. chemical. And that's all I got. I did, I'd stopped looking at the late 1800s, early 1900s, because that didn't feel old enough. It's a big problem, and we've been working on it. And I don't know. Like, like I look at it in my books, and I'm like, I don't feel like a bug could take that on. But look, they can do anything. They got a lot they of time. Books. They got nothing else to do. They got, they got nothing but time. Well, if you want to ask your question to the Science Couch, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Maya Biard, at Nebichueba, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions for this episode. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us for this episode of SciShow Tangents. If we want to find more of your insight and and um, approachable humor, where shall we uh, find you? <laughs> I'm so bummed that my humor is approachable. It's not what I've been going yeah. for at all. Yeah. <laughs> She's edgy. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for your very, I'm very so harsh, edgy, edgy humor. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have three podcasts. The Real Question, where it's an advice show where we don't give advice. 
And then we have Hot and Bothered, where... No, but we don't even try to give advice. We (laughs) listen. We listen. Oh. We have Hot and Bothered, where this season we're talking about Pride and Prejudice. My whole shtick is we treat secular things as if they're sacred. And then we have Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, where we treat Harry Potter as a sacred text while not liking or condoning much of anything that J.K. Rowling says. You ever do any hot and bothered about sexy pirates, though? We have an episode called, called I think, Sexy Pirates. Okay. Oh, in I'm season on. one. Can't wait. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's super easy to do that. You can go on patreon.com slash scishowtangents to become a patron. Get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes and our Cars 2 commentary. All that stuff that we've been making for all this time. Now there's like a whole thing built up that you can consume uh, there at patreon.com slash scishowtangents. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. We've heard that that's helpful. But I know that it helps us know what you think about the show because we don't have that much opportunity to get feedback and we thrive on feedback. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell, tell people, people about, about us. us. Tell people about them. Oh, <laughs> nice. yeah. Perfect. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Sam Schultz. I've been Vanessa Zoltan. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes along with Seth Glitzman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia-Prieto. Our editorial assistants are Debuki Chakravarti and Emma Dowster. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this, of course, without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. One more thing. Librarians, keep an eye out for book-eating pests like beetle larvae by looking for evidence like frass, which is basically Mm. insect poop that looks like piles of sand. Besides being unsightly, the frass holds moisture, food particles, and chemical compounds that attract even more adult insects who will eat, mate, and keep damaging the books. You can easily vacuum up frass on the shelves, but a lot of poop dust can get inside the partially eaten books. So a librarian from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in Honolulu wrote up a guide about how they dealt with a huge beetle infestation, including thunking some more sturdy books on to knock out the frass and the quote effective and amusing solution of using personal massagers aka (laughs) vibrators along the spines of more fragile books to loosen up any stray poop now that is a romance novel (laughs) (laughs) it's not